0: and our thanks for a beautiful, beautiful presentation. And I take this moment again to say to the radio audience because when I step up here at this moment, the recording begins, and that is those who have become regular listeners by way of radio always invite you to our service if you're able to and can to be here and to enjoy the first part of praise and worship. It is always just absolutely Wonderful. I invite you to turn to our text today, which is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, and verses 1 through 10. And if you were here last week, you know that I had thought I would cover this also with the Samaritan woman, but it was just too much to do uh, in one service. So we come today to consider very closely uh, Zacchaeus. And the title, as you see there, is Your Number One in the eyes of God. These titles go through revisions. Uh, I was going to entitle it, uh, Excited and Delighted, Part Two, but I thought I better stop while I'm ahead if I am, you know? And then it was, your number one, but I thought some of you would take it to heart. So I thought I better clarify this because Jesus is the one, amen? but I want all of us to know that we are, you are number one in the eyes of God. Let's pray together. Almighty Jesus, for the opening of your word and knowing that without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we'll not understand it or receive it. And so we pray for that illumination, that aha moment And as familiar as this passage is, I never saw that before. And that we will know in our hearts that we're number one in your heart. Forgive us of our sins in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. One of the important things to do at some point would be to study the importance of one in the scriptures, of one in the scriptures. That is, if you went back a couple of chapters to the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 where there are the three parables of lostness, one is very important here. A shepherd had a 100 sheep, one was missing. 99 were safe and secure. That was not good enough for the shepherd. He went out in danger of his life to find that one. These are parables of lostness. They are parables that in the eyes of God, in the heart of God, we're number one. That second parable was of a lady that had ten coins and one of them fell out, rolled off the table or whatever, and she turned the house upside down, cleaning it, looking for that coin. I told Charlotte one time that I had dropped some money and it didn't work. She didn't turn the house upside down looking for it, so it it just didn't work. And in each of these parables, they would go out then and say, I found that which was lost, come and rejoice. And you know that third parable is that of the prodigal son, of the man with two boys, and I like to refer to them as boys because I have so many boys in my life with all of my grandsons. One boy was missing. And the fact that there was still one at the house, that was not enough. And that father never, never, never gave up his heart for that one. It's been well said, somebody said it first, that if you were the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus would have still died on the cross, amen? Jesus would have still died on the cross. I'll always remember with great fondness in my heart in one of the churches I was blessed to pastor, And it was a time, it was the right time, the right place, everything. It was an unbelievable growth period in the life of the church. And every month, we would look at what we call the clerk's report. And we were baptizing a lot of people, a lot of people joining the church. And for one month, all of a sudden, there was one profession of faith. And so I made the comment that this month, uh, we only had one profession of faith. And, you know, you learn real quick. And one of the deacons spoke up and said, Yeah, Brother Bill, but that was my boy. Amen. I'd name him today because everybody here just about would know him, uh, that little boy. But he said, That's my boy. So you're number one, and one is very important. So let's dig into the text here. And point number one is you're number one just as you are. Verse 1 and 2, Jesus and this group are on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, but it is also Jesus' journey to the cross. And this journey for the Passover that took place each year went through little towns and little towns, and every town they went through, they picked up people along the way. Until they get near Jerusalem, it is a massive, rejoicing, celebrating crowd. Camping out along the road at night. This is how Jesus, you know, kind of got missing for three days. They were on their way back one year from the Passover. He they thought he was just running around with some cousins, but he was in the temple sharing the word of God with the elders. And so they are on their way, and it says here, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. You're number one, just as you are. Most of you know where the story is going. And let me go ahead and say, we know that Jesus went home with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus recognized and invited Jesus into his heart and life as Messiah. But in the beginning of this text, Zacchaeus was nowhere in that place in his life. Jesus knew it. And in fact, in the eyes of the community, Zacchaeus had two strikes against him. There is never a wasted word in the Bible, never a wasted word. Why would the scripture tell us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and that he was rich? And the reason is, is that people in that day didn't like either things about somebody. Now, not that there's anything wrong with a tax collector, but in that day, the tax collector was an enemy agent and he was working for the Roman government that had dominated, that had occupied and was persecuting the people of Israel and there were those individuals that were responsible for collecting the taxes for the Roman government and everybody assumed that they were thieves and that they were skimming and you can see this if you go back to the Gospel of Luke chapter three at one point john is preaching the baptist and i mean he's preaching up a storm and people are coming out everywhere wanting to know what do they what do i do to be baptized soldiers came out wanting to know what do i do to be baptized and it says in verse 12 and 13 tax collectors came to him and said what do we need to do to be baptized and jesus told john told them, "Just, just don't collect any more than what they have been assessed just be fair with the people and so That town of Jericho didn't care for Zacchaeus. And then they didn't care for him because he was rich. And some people, you know, they probably thought, well, uh, he's rich at my expense. And so we're talking about an individual like the Samaritan woman of last week that is ostracized, that is marginalized, and nobody wants anything to do with him. And then Jesus comes down and says to him, I'm going home with you today. Glory to God you're number one in the eyes of God, just as you are. Now, I don't know what instigated it, but my wife seemed to have an affinity toward rich people. (laughs) Y'all listen to me now. As our girls were growing up, she would tell them, now, girls, marry a rich man. Made me feel terrible. Marry a rich man because rich men need love, too. And she would tell them that. Now, look, these things you can't make up. Well, we were living in Richmond, Virginia, and the major metropolitan newspaper there, the Richmond Times-Dispatch, had a special on their weekend newspaper where they would go to a different high school, and you can see this coming, went to a different high school each week, went in and asked students one question. Well, how in the world can you line this up, that one week they go to Hermitage High School, where my girls were, they walk up to my oldest daughter, Suzanne, ask her what's the best advice your mother ever gave you. (laughs) Marry a rich man. Rich men need love, too. Don't you know when we got to church on Sunday, we suffered for that? We absolutely suffered for that. But the beauty of this, the beauty of this is that Jesus Christ calls us to him just as we are. That's the great song, just as I am, just as I am. Without one plea, just as I am, I come, I come just as I am. Jesus, when he called Peter, James, and John, he said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. We need to realize, the church needs to realize, and somebody hearing this message needs to realize, whoever it was put an incredible second statement to it that appeared on billboards in Maysteel today, and that is Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And somebody added another phrase that said, you catch them and I'll clean them. Amen. Glory to God. You're number one in the eyes of God. You're number one just as you are. Whatever makes you feel marginalized, whatever makes you feel left out, whatever makes you feel less than what God intended you to be, I want you to know you're number one in the eyes of God and you come to Him, I come to Him just as I am. There's a second part. Not only are you number one just as you are, you're number one in a crowd. Think about that. In the eyes of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the heart of God, There are times and places where we stand out in a crowd. Some people say they like to go to a big church so they can get lost in the crowd. I got news for them. You ain't ever lost in the eyes of Jesus, amen? I don't care how big the crowd is. You are never lost in the eyes of Jesus. Zacchaeus didn't know it. As we talked about the Samaritan woman last week, he did not know that he had an appointment with Jesus. Verses 3 through 5 here, this Zacchaeus, who had two strikes against him in the uh, eyes of the Jericho, verse 3, he sought to see who Jesus was. But he could not because of the crowd and because he was a short statue. And if I can add uh, a little liberty here, I'll guarantee you every time he tried to get close enough to see Jesus, they elbowed him back. They had no use for him. They had no use for him. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he, Jesus, was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, saw him, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. A point that I made last Sunday that is still fascinating my heart. When we talk about the attributes of God, how you describe the majesty of God, the theological terms you're familiar with is that He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omnipresent, everywhere. He is omniscient, knows everything. And last week, the Samaritan woman, where Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria. He knew, he had an appointment with somebody there. It is fascinating to me knowing as he comes from Nazareth down the Jericho Road to Jericho, he knows that there is a person in that village that really needs him. Amen? If I ever go to shout, don't fire me. Because remember, I'm Baptocostal, friends. Woo! I get chill bumps. And Jesus walks up under that tree, stops, looks up, and calls him by name. Now, I don't know the backstory here, but Jesus does. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing. And this happens all the time in Scripture. If you read a few verses back, While they're coming down the road There's a blind man on the side of the road And it says here that there's a multitude Now there's a crowd And this blind man Sitting on the side of the road begging He can't get up, he can't go to Jerusalem He can't celebrate the Passover And he wants to know you know, What's going on here And they said Jesus of Nazareth is passing by And in verse 38 of the preceding chapter He cried out Jesus son of David have mercy on me And they gathered around him and said, be quiet You're making too much noise You're disturbing everything The Bible says, he even cried out louder Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me And Jesus stops And he says, bring him to me And that blind man was number one in a crowd And Jesus healed him You don't have to scream out here today. If you need Jesus, your heart is screaming, amen. If you need Jesus, your spirit within you is crying out, Son of David, have mercy in me. Have mercy in me. Oh, my goodness. And how precious and moving the gospel of Luke chapter 8. A woman who has suffered with a blood disorder for 12 years and there's been no help for her and Jesus is passing by. And she says, if I can just work my way in there and touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Everybody knew her. They knew that in their culture she would have been an unclean person, but she worked her way through there, and she touched the hem of his garment. She touched the binding of his robe, and he stopped Somebody touched me. I felt power go out from me. The disciples said, Lord, there's a crowd. They're just everywhere running into one another. Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. And he knows who it was. And he told her, woman, your faith has made you whole. Jesus, we're number one in a crowd. We are number one in a crowd, a host of people, the world. That is, look, a God that does not know you out of all the people of the world is not God, amen? He's not God. He's just not the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. And sometimes it's like this in church. I heard the story of the preacher one Sunday night, there weren't many people there. And he got up, and in his welcome, he said, Dearly beloved. And a little lady down close to the front blushed. Let me try that again. She thought he was talking to her, Dearly beloved, and she blushed. When you're in here, some people accuse me when they go out, you were reading my mail. Look, I don't even read my own mail, much less yours, you know. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us feel like in these moments, I know that I'm not wasting my time. I am not wasting your time. Jesus is talking to somebody in their heart, in a crowd. Somebody has an appointment with Jesus. Number three. You're number one regardless of what others think about you. I'm telling you what. Now, friends, glory to God. Been doing this 56 years. I just want you all to know if you haven't caught on. This is preaching, friends. Amen. This is teaching the Word of God, and I revel in it. I revel in it. I want to thank you all for this job. I revel in it. You're number one regardless of what others think about you, verse six and seven. And so he, Zacchaeus made haste, came down and received him joyfully. And when they, the people of Jericho saw it, they all began to complain among themselves saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Thank God Jesus doesn't care what others think about us, amen? Jesus is not ashamed to be near us, around us, or with us, regardless of what we've done, who we are, and what other people think about us. He went home with Zacchaeus. He pardoned the woman caught in adultery. He befriended the Samaritan woman. All of this was radical, radical, He turned Saul, a persecutor of the church, into the greatest missionary the world has ever known. And he comforted a criminal hanging on the cross beside him. I pray to be able to tell this as powerful as I heard it. And that is... Of a man that showed up at the pearly gates to enter heaven. The angel in charge of that moment was flustered, confused, and did not know what was going on. And so the angel asked this man, Why are you here? He said, I'm here to come in. The angel said, We don't have any record of you, we were not expecting anybody at this moment. And he said, but I'm, I'm supposed to come in. I'm here to come in to paradise. So the angel went and consulted another angel and they came back. And so they began to ask him, well, have you been born again? And he said, well, I don't guess so. I've been born once. And then they asked him, what denomination are you? And he said, I don't know what that is. Then they asked him about his orthodoxy. And then they said, well, what makes you think you can come in? Are you ready? He said, the man on the cross in the middle invited me. You got it? It was the thief on the cross, and he said, I'm here because the man on the cross in the middle invited me. Wow. You're number one regardless of what others think about you and here is a man hanging on a cross dying because he's a thief, a robber who knows whatever he's been in and Jesus says you come on and go to paradise with me and the man in the middle invited me here and the last point You're number one in Jesus. You're number one in Jesus. We're number one just as we are. We're number one in a crowd. We're number one no matter what others think about us. And we're number one in Jesus Christ. Verse 8, 9, and 10. They've had dinner. They've had a great time Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation I restore fourfold Excuse me But this is one excited, delighted man Amen This man is excited and he is delighted. And all of a sudden he's giving half of what he has. And I would assume and underline that word that he is not a cheat. He has not padded the tax bills and he's willing to restore fourfold if somewhere out there it has happened. This man has had an incredible encounter with Jesus Christ, and he is number one in Jesus. And Jesus then says, and the word I'm sure went out into the street, and I don't know, actually they may have been standing outside the house at this time. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Look what happens when we're number one because of Jesus. We're excited. We're delighted. Salvation has come to us. We've been forgiven of our sins. And we are a member of the family of God. He says, this man also, and this right here was enough for them to crucify Jesus in Jericho that day. This man right here is a son of Abraham. Jesus told them one day that, look, don't hide behind this son of Abraham business because I can speak to these stones here and raise up sons of Abraham. We don't need to be hiding behind any genealogy or whatever, friend. I'm telling you what, you ain't getting in on grandma's religion, amen? But Jesus said, this this man's a member of the family. and, And what he was saying to those Who were there to hear it Meet your new brother Meet your new brother He too is a son of Abraham I always remember And I've been blessed As I've told you so many times To share faith with little children And sometimes I ask a question And you know I don't realize It's going to be one that really trips them up but I'd met with this little fellow, and he, very sincere, prayed the prayer to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I just looked at him, and I said, you know what that makes us now? Well, the answer I was looking for was brother. I said, you know what that makes us now? And he looks around, and then he looks at me and says, buddies? <laughs> And I said, yes, we're buddies. Oh my goodness, Jesus was telling those people, you got a new buddy here. He's your brother. He's a friend of God. And then Jesus says, man, this is why I'm here. I'm on a mission. When they came back to the well that day in Samaria and they had food and they offered Jesus something to eat, he said, I'm not hungry. And they thought, well, this lady has given him something to eat. And Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you do not know of. And I'm going to tell you, friend, you can be so caught up in living and serving for Jesus. I'm telling you, you can start seeing people get saved and you won't be hungry, friends. Your heart will be filled. Jesus is on a mission. Somebody here, radio, has an appointment with Jesus. Come. As you are. We sing our hymn of invitation. Oh my goodness, what an incredible, incredible story for us. You're number one. You're number one. Will you come to Jesus? All right, let's stand together, please. Number five hundred ninety one. Have thine own way. thine own way